At QUT, we believe that teachers do more than build understanding. They build confidence, resilience. They help students to make sense of the real world. So shouldn't we give teachers all the support they need? We think so. If you feel the same way, this podcast is for you. Welcome to QUT Podclass. Every step that you take forward, you're actually changing a child's life. You're taking people with you. This idea of the silent classroom is also a little bit of a myth and could be getting in the way. That they have very little time to just take a breath, sit down and think, what, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with my career? It's amazing how many fresh ideas you can have when you can ask your question of the entire world. I've given it all I've got. I am exhausted and I need a break. I think that is part of it. She turned it around because she invested in herself. <laughs> Hello, my name is Madonna King and welcome to QUT's podcast where teachers and teaching is our focus. My guest today is Dr. Rebecca Spooner-Lane and we are looking at teacher wellbeing. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Madonna. Welcome. Thank you. So what do you do? How does that fit in here? Um, I'm the academic program director at um, QUT for pre-service teacher program. So I get to you know, prepare um, future teachers. So just explain to me, what do you do in your job? Mm, I think there's a lot of aspects to my job because it's very multifaceted, a bit like a teacher's role. So I teach in a classroom with pre-service teachers. I research around the work that I teach and I also... um, you know, support teachers as well. So I actually go out and do professional development for teachers. So when you're teaching our teachers of tomorrow, what's the thing they struggle most with? What what are you thinking? Look, they've really got to learn X. Yes, I think for me what I've seen is the, the biggest difficulties is around communication. How do they develop relationships with their students? How do they communicate with parents? How do they develop solid networks with their teaching staff? I wonder if confidence is a big part of that. My my little girl said her her teacher said, I'll tell your parents to be nice to me on parent-teacher night. And I thought, what? <laughs> but it's true. Like, you know, do, do you see that teachers, um, a lot of teachers actually need to grow in confidence? I think there's a lot of young people doing teaching. They're really just out of school, many of them. And I think that takes experience and time to develop that confidence, to be able to talk to adults, but to also converse with younger kids. We might come back to that, but let's get on to our topic because you're actually a trained psychologist, but your PhD at QUT was on stress and support for public hospital nurses. Mm. And here I am talking In to you about In order to teachers. prevent burnout, yes. Yes, yeah, so, so what is the relationship between a nurse working really hard in a public hospital and one of our teachers standing up in front of Year 9 today? Well, s- similar elements of care uh, and responsibility for another person, um, the importance of being able to connect with someone to give them the best form of care. Um, teachers are doing the same thing in the classroom and the similar stresses, workload, administration. Um, so I'm intrigued by the impetus for that that PhD. Why didn't you go and research stress in teachers? Why, why did you start with nurses? Um, n- nurses were in my family and um, I was always fascinated by the stories they told. What kind of stories were, would the nurses in your family tell? Um, stories about, um, you know, 
similar to teachers, I think, is not even being able to take a break to go to the toilet. Mm. Um, coming home, feeling like they've given all day. And I hear the same things for teachers. They give, 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 and there's very left for within their, you know, for their families when they get home. They just want to tune out, you know. Do you think they're both undervalued by the by the rest of us, the community? Um, look, I think yes. The community plays a big part in whether we're going to value or devalue a profession. And when there's, um, you know, media that tends to focus more on grades for teachers um, and, you know, whether they're doing a good job by academically, it devalues what they're doing. So what did your PhD find? Well, you know, not all stresses um, can be supported in the same way and that we need, really need to think about where is the source of the stress and who are the people, the types of people that can actually mitigate that stress. So you need to actually match it from the person it's coming from. So sometimes another teacher can't support another teacher because the problem is being imposed from above. So sometimes it's the leadership team within the school that's very important to actually support that teacher and um, be an advocate for that teacher. Um, and it's a, the same thing in, in nursing. You know, you need to actually work out where the stress is coming from and who has the resources to support that nurse. So what were the main stresses? I think it really just comes down to, you know, high workload. Sometimes there's role conflict. And I think um, one part of you is supposed to be doing this, but the other part of you is supposed to be doing this. And is there time to do both things? You know, multiple roles, um, multiple stakeholders, multiple roles and multiple things they're trying to fulfil in a day. Teachers I've spoken to talk about almost a constant stress level. Give us some examples of what you've found in schools or how you see teachers stressed. I think mainly... Um, the teachers that I speak to are actually happy in their classrooms because they're with the students and that connection is there and that's where they're, they're safest and, and more comfortable being, you know, being in the classroom. I think what the added pressure is, is that it's a misconception that a teacher's day finishes at three o'clock and they walk out the door at four. You know, I think what happens is all that planning of yeah. curriculum lessons, um, thinking about the students, where they need to go, that often happens actually outside of the classroom. Um, and that takes a lot of time, thought, energy, there's marking, there's report cards. You know, there's times within a teacher's year that it, things really ramp up um, and then they get a little bit of a break again. You haven't mentioned parents. I'm wondering if they are increasingly a source of stress for teachers. For some teachers, yes. I think if they haven't um, made a connection with a particular parent, that can be challenging. Um, and it can be back and forth with emails, um, you know, out of school hours, um, seeing them at the front door in the morning. But also like, you know, when we were at school, I was dumped at the the I gate. Know. Yes. But now, you know, you know what your child's doing. Teachers yes. tell stories of, you know, parents quibbling over a mark. Yes. 
And with digital technology, what is the loveliest thing is they will show you photos of what your child's actually done throughout the school day. So you might be working all day, but you're like, oh, great, they've just done a painting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's not Um, good enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but then it opens itself up, doesn't it, for judgment? Yes. You know, in the sense was, is that the best um, use of my child's time? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So... um, do, the stress that a teacher feels, do you think it's more likely to surface uh, in their first couple of years out or is it more experienced teachers who are called upon to do more? Oh, it's definitely more stressful in those early years when they're learning the ropes, um, learning how to actually work within the school community, where things are, you know, it's just the simplest things, what policies they need to be aware of. Um, so much of what they do is actually trying to understand the system first um, and, you know, how to work with the teacher aid, um, where do I get support for? And one of the things I, you know, always recommend to our pre-service teachers is when you step into a school, make sure you learn names and spend that time knowing who your gardener is, you know, (laughs) who your administration team is. So you actually know if a ball gets stuck on the roof, you can maybe call the gardener to help you get it down. You know, those little things all add up, but so they're knowing how it operates. What are the little things? Because that's great information. Um, I think it's just immersing yourself in the school culture very quickly, um, making connections with other teaching staff, working out where... Um, you know, where your commonalities lie with other teachers. You feel a part of something um, as soon as you start to see that I'm like someone else. Yes. Um, so unfortunately, sometimes early career teachers, the more stressed they are, the more they isolate themselves. And there's a quite a high burnout in mm. teachers, isn't it? Is that, is stress a, a, a big factor there? Yeah, because I think um, when you are seeking permanent jobs, you want to always show your best um, to the leadership team, to other teachers. So it's very hard for an early career teacher to be vulnerable and ask for help. But that's actually what they've got to do. Do they necessarily know that they're suffering stress, though? Oh, yes. (laughs) So how do you know? What what are the signs of stress? You told me about a list of them that, you know, that, that someone might think, well, look, I feel that. Mm, I think it's that, you know, often you notice that you feel overwhelmed. Things are getting on top of you. But before you do that, don't we in a community wear that as a badge of honour? Uh, I think that actually um, when you look at, you know, in our community um, today, the first thing when people see you is how are you going, how's work? And the first thing we say is, well, I'm busy. You know, (laughs) I'm really stressed because I've got a lot on my plate. And so we associate that with being important and valuable and that we're doing something that is significant, you know. Um, And perhaps we need to pause and think about is that what we actually want to keep telling ourselves, you know, and telling our bodies that we're busy, we're stressed, <laughs> overwhelmed. Because there's kudos. Yes. Being busy is better than not being busy. And being busy almost suggests to other people that you're very competent in what yeah. you're doing. You have a full work plate. You must be really good at your job. But it could be the forerunner from your research of burnout. Yes. 
So what are the signs that a teacher listening should look out for because it might be a signal that they are suffering stress? So stress on an everyday basis is normal and we will peak and, you know, there'll be peaks in our day and then it will plateau again and so the, it'll go up and down. But when you're actually go, heading towards burnout, you're actually in a state of stress more often than not. So it's not just peaks and troughs throughout the day. It is sustained over months at a time. And then you start to notice that you're just emotionally exhausted, that you feel depleted. Um, You actually want to detach from people, which is interesting. So when you need people the most and you're feeling vulnerable, you isolate yourself. And you not only, you know, teachers might detach from other colleagues, but they might actually detach from their students as well. And so that's an interesting um, aspect of burnout. Um, And the other thing is just feeling like you're working harder and harder, but you're not actually getting anywhere. You're not accomplishing what you could have previously. What about things like becoming cranky with with students? Yes. Yes. Um, Bringing your frustration into the classroom and and, um, not maintaining a sense of calm. Is, is showing that you're depleted of energy. You can't actually maintain that sense of calm. So, you know, irrit- irritability with students um, might even be just feeling a sense, a lack of motivation for what you're teaching, a sense of apathy about it, um, feeling like it's a bit futile. And, and sometimes teachers do feel a sense of, it doesn't matter how much I give students, but, you know, they're probably not progressing as fast as I'd like them to. Um, you know, and just avoiding people, avoiding discussions, avoiding going to meetings, avoiding contributing to school meetings, um, not being able to concentrate, your mind wandering. They're all the sorts of things we need to be on the lookout for. But you might be feeling one or two of those things. At what point do you think, well, that's a sign that I have a problem? I think the first sign um, to look for is that emotional exhaustion. And that is, that's when you know, that's the first thing that happens in burnout. It's almost like a a sequence of events. You feel emotionally depleted that you've got nothing left to give. Um, And then it has a flow on effect. You you actually have um, that apathy, that um, wanting to close yourself off from the world, you know. Um, How serious Oh, it's hugely serious and it's hugely costly (laughs) as well. Because when you think about, you know, we train a lot of teachers to come into the profession, but if they're not coping, a large, about 30%, up to 30%, I should say, but up to 30% could leave within the first five years. And and would a lot of those departures be as a result of stress? It's a very strong contributing factor. So is that showing that some teachers are not recognising that they're showing the early signs of stress and can address that and go on and have really happy careers in teaching. Mm. So um, I think it's it's a bit of both where as an individual, if you're starting to, another thing I probably haven't mentioned yet is if you're starting to feel sick yeah. and it might be headaches, it might be flus, catching everything one after the other, Physically, you're going to notice that your body's run down as well. Yes. Um, so when you actually, you know, one of the things I'm mindful of is when teachers go out into the profession, if they've started to have a lot of sickness, that's a cue for the leadership team to say, hey, is everything okay? Because you've been, we well, notice you've been really unwell lately. So I hate to play the parent role here, but what kind of impact does that have on their teaching of my children? Hmm. Okay. Well, 
I mean, when you think about it, often when we're sick, we can still be um, giving our best, but you're not actually taking the time to maybe critically reflect at the end of the day about how you can make further improvements yes. in your teaching because you're, not your you're worn out. Yeah. 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 So potentially, um, whilst I think teachers often turn up, you know, when they're not well and give it their all, they, they're not going to be actually satisfied in themselves, first of all. How big a factor is the class? Can a class increase or decrease those stress levels in any particular day? Yes, you know, you may be, particularly in your early years of um, teaching, sometimes you're given that class that, you know, someone's actually already left because that class is difficult. You've got students who might be aggressive. You've got students that might have experienced trauma. You might have students that English isn't their first language. Um, So you might have a very challenging class very early on in your career. Um, One of my... Um, previous students said that she had 26 students in her class and she was aware that she had to differentiate very early on in her teaching for about 26 different students. You know, she said they varied so greatly um, in that class and she said that was a big shock to her. Um, And she said she just wrote lists and lists and lists of what she was observing each day from the students and trying to manage the issues that arose each day. Has she remained a teacher? Yes, and she's a very good one. Good yeah. on her. So so for someone else in that situation or, or for, for the students who are about to go out that you're teaching, who you're teaching, what advice do you give them on that? Well, look, sometimes I like to actually bring those people back to share their stories with our pre-service teachers because they're inspiring. So that lady that I was just talking about who said, my goodness, you know, I had 26 individuals who seemed to have 26 different issues to, you know, contend with and huge amount of differentiation. She said, I ended up being the leader in the School of Differentiation. So I actually taught staff what I was doing, how she said I developed a system for looking at them, observing them and contributing to their learning. And then I became someone in the school that others came to. I want to leave stress and go on to how we fix it, wellbeing in just Mm. a tick. But um, what about gender? Do do female teachers take this on more? I think um, females are naturally very nurturing. And um, also you get a lot of people in the teaching profession that are mothers themselves um, and they have been in the parent role, you know. So they they understand where parents are coming from, why they're so protective, um, and that can aid the communication. All right, so we've, we've talked about stress. What do we do about it? What does an individual teacher do about it? I think the first thing we need to think about is pausing and actually recognising that where um, teachers are a priority and they're, they're not just a teacher, they're a person as well. Who pausing? The teacher, the, the teachers, parents, the community, the school I leadership? Think teachers need to pause and actually remember they're not a teacher first, they're a person first. And then their profession is in the teaching 
profession. So I think it's just a matter of pausing and actually valuing self-care, you know, for themselves. From what you're saying, I wonder if teachers think they can just rejuvenate outside the workplace, like over the Christmas holidays each year, rather than make well-being part of their day Day or their week. Yes, yeah. And that's, that's absolutely true. I think for a long time, teachers can live on adrenaline and then go, great, it's holidays. But I guess we want to shift that to realise that self-care is something you do actually every day. There's an irony here though, isn't it? Because we put so much money and resources and teacher time into enhancing the well-being of our students, particularly teen girls, for example. And that's often delivered by teachers. (laughs) Yes, teachers that are going, wow, this is really interesting. This is something I should be doing. And should they be doing it? Or should it be the school leadership team? Should it be, where's the onus on actually providing those wellbeing programs for teachers? Mm, I think there is a shift towards a more positive psychology um, perspective. And because of that, um, we are actually recognising that if we want to keep teachers in the profession and and keep those really high quality teachers. Mm. We need to nurture them as well and value um, them. And and a part of that is to offer them programs that professional learning opportunities that support their wellbeing. What about if there is a teacher listening now who just feels a bit overwhelmed on the border of stress? What would you say to him or her? Um, I would say that you're not alone start and there are many teachers in this space where they're starting to realise that not not everything is manageable and that they need to actually look at possible opportunities for, you know, supporting their wellbeing. It would be nice to think that all schools take responsibility for their teachers' wellbeing, but at the end of the day, you know, we have to also make a decision to look after ourselves. I was going to say that because, you know, a, a school can't be responsible for how much sleep we have or what breakfast we have or whether no. we exercise, for example. So there are many things that are under our control and we can start doing those things. Um, you know, and as you said, it's sometimes it's starting really simply like this week, I'm going to make my lunches and they're going to be all healthy. Yes. Um, it might be this week, I'm going to go to bed at a reasonable hour and actually get my full night's sleep. Um, And I guess teachers are very um, high achievers. And I think sometimes the wellbeing thing is an issue because if they don't get it right straight away, they almost feel a sense of failure. Um, But tomorrow is a new day and you start off with a new meal. So you can actually start breakfast the right way, you know. So I always think that the well-being stuff is not just a one-off this week. It's actually going, actually, I'm going to actually put this consciously in my mind um, to think of as a journey. If you spent a week in a school, could you pick with your experience those teachers who were looking after their own well-being and those who couldn't? I can absolutely see it, yes. Um, and one of the things I notice is teachers that are looking after themselves um, have a spring in their step. They are happy, content teachers. They don't look overwhelmed or frazzled. Um, They're not... they're not actually leaving the classroom as soon as it finishes, you know, hoping to get away from the environment that's making them feel unwell. You know, um, they're just, they're relaxed and content. Let's look at the support available. You told me a little while ago about a beginning teacher's journey, a call you took from one of your graduates. Oh, yes, yes. So I had this wonderful student who actually even stood out um, in class 
um, because of her passion for teaching. But she said her first year was awful. Um, you know, she was given a very difficult, challenging um, class straight away. She found out three months into the job that the person who um, left that position was because of the, the stress of the teaching that class and those particular children. Um, similar to what I said to you before, you know, she was constantly sick. She was unwell. She not only left um, the school environment, you know, school at um, 5.30 every day, she would go home, have a walk and then work for three hours after that planning the next day of lessons. She yes. worked um, all weekend as well, you know, Saturday and Sunday, um, stopped seeing her friends and family um, because she wanted to be the best teacher she could be and she didn't want to let down these these students, you know, and you can understand that. And she was calling, um, you know, she was saying they were like energy vampires. They just sucked everything out of her. <laughs> um, but she did turn it around and she turned it around because she invested in herself. How? And, uh, well, she actually honoured the fact that she couldn't be a good teacher and couldn't give to the students if she actually felt unwell, you know, that her mind wasn't on the job. Um so she, yeah, she really, she said she stopped actually, she would work on Saturday, but always left Sunday for family. But she said every night she'd start reading before bed to, you know, help herself detach from yes. the work and just actually calm her mind. So she managed to navigate a path for herself. How would you describe the level of support in our schools for teachers? Is it good enough? Um, in some schools, I'm, I'm seeing a great job, you know, a collective job where the leadership team are really, really doing a beautiful job of investing in their early career teachers, holding regular, um, you know, meetings with them and saying, you know, what is it that you want to learn about? Well, it's probably what we're all, you know, all beginning teachers are going through. Let's do a workshop on that. So I can see some really beautiful things happening in schools, but it's more challenging when perhaps the school doesn't have the resources to do that, doesn't have the teachers that can actually. So when, you know, quite often we encourage in mentoring for um, the mentor to go and watch that teacher in the classroom and then vice versa, they go and get to watch other experienced teachers teaching in their discipline. That can't always happen in small schools, you no. know. No one can, can afford to step offline for a bit. So it, it is actually quite complex in schools and they actually have to, when they're looking at setting up a mentoring program, for instance, they have to actually go, well, what, what's doable? Is it a one-on-one here or is it a couple of people with a team of, you know, yeah. beginning teachers? You mentioned a, a little while ago, you know, apart from looking after yourself and doing the things that you said, that there are some programs or professional learning that that they can go through. Just talk to me about that. What 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 can they look out for? Um, look, I think there are a range of ways in which people like to tap into what works for them. Um, and sometimes it is about actually, you know, schools actually having uh, someone to come in and speak um, about wellbeing. There's many um, coaches that actually specifically look um, after teachers and their wellbeing. So sometimes it is that training that it can, can occur. We've talked about how stressed our teachers can be. Do you have three simple tips for a teacher who might be feeling like that? 
Um, you know, if I was looking for um, three things I could do at home to support myself to reduce my stress levels, one of the things I would do is start eating healthily, you know, preparing meals where you've got a bit more control over what you're putting in your mouth, sleep a little bit more than you, you normally do, and incorporate some element of exercise. Just move at some point throughout the day. That's the three important things. While you're at school, also find, you know, um, that person. It may might not be your mentor, but it might be just someone who's a really great colleague that you can share and debrief with and have a laugh with. And that'll make you feel less stressed. Also find someone who's willing to share resources and reduce your workload. You know, there's no use spending too much time doing something and reinventing the wheel when someone's already else has done it. Thanks, Rebecca. We've learned a lot about honouring well-being, but there's more to talk about, isn't there? So don't go anywhere. In the next episode, we'll continue this discussion and talk about the importance of mentoring. What makes a good mentor? How do you find the mentor that's right for you? Tune in next time and let's find out. That concludes this episode of podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about this topic, be sure to check the show notes where you'll find links that can take you through to rich sources of information and inspiration. Podclass is brought to you by the QUT Faculty of Education. If you'd like to keep learning, QUT offers a range of professional development and postgraduate study options. QUT, because the more you learn, the more they learn.